Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, dude. What about you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. It's a Tuesday. It's another Tuesday night, but uh, got a game in Gallagher Arena with you tomorrow night, so that's keeping me going. Yes, I'm <laughs> pumped about that. Thank you again for the invite. Which oh, I think... it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's a big one, right? Big yeah, one in Gallagher Iva. I'm excited. Hopefully, get up there a little early. Maybe I go know. to Joe's or something. See, that's why I was trying to get you to get on over to my side of town so early, so that yeah. way we could get to Joe's, get some I'm cheese fine. fries Just... in us, and it'll be good. My the crap. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, my, bo- my boss doesn't listen. I'll, I'll skip out a little early. <laughs> well, if he does, then it was a joke. I can I can tell him <laughs> that. Um, but no, it'll be good. That environment last week against TCU, for, for what it was, was fantastic. It looked like in the student section. So uh, coming off a tight game against Texas, it'll be fun. We'll get into basketball here in a little bit. But obviously, you know, one of the big topics of the day, big topics of the week is definitely on a more somber note. Thankfully, as we sit here recording on Tuesday night, some more information has come out. So we, we know the situation a little bit better, but obviously um, if you've been tuned in, AJ Ferrari star wrestler, household name in Stillwater was uh, obviously involved in a, a horrible car accident um, last night in Stillwater alongside Issey Rodriguez. I apologize if I butchered that name, uh, but it for a while looked like a really, really bad situation. I remember that tweet coming out around eight 30 last night and, um, there wasn't much information. And so obviously, as we sit here 24 hours later, you know, the updates are, are much more positive. You know, it, it sounds like they got in a head on collision um, car caught on fire and, and unbelievably almost, you know, I, I say almost act of God. Casey Dunn is in, in that spot to, to so pull wild. to pull AJ Ferrari out of a burning vehicle. It's it's unbelievable to me, Dustin. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you. I mean, that na- Casey Dunn in that spot in that time is is hard to believe. Yeah, it was wild too. Uh, coach John Smith, the wrestling coach, and Dave Smith from the cross country track and field, they had a press conference today. I think around like two thirty, sometime in the afternoon, and just listening to John Smith talk about Casey Dunn's involvement in it and everything was absolutely wild. But I think it was cool that both of those coaches were able to get on and do that presser and just kind of give a little bit more detail. But like you said, just awesome. And that nobody was hurt very badly in it. We know that AJ Ferrari had some injuries. Yeah. I was actually going to read that for you, Dustin. It sounds like, now I didn't mean to cut you off it as of Monday, you know, Ferrari's father updated that AJ had some fluid in his lungs, affecting his oxygen levels, bad bruising uh, with internal bleeding. But, um, you know, as he said, and as we can say, 
if you saw the car in AJ, you would know that this was a miracle. And actually a picture of the car, you know, right, wrong or indifferent is, is around on Twitter. And um, it, it is a miracle. That's as, that's about as much as you can say about it. But um, you know, really, I think we wanted to open up the podcast with it because it's obviously the topic of the day. It was scary for, I, I mean, it was scary for me, for you, Dustin, I can't imagine what what others in that Ferrari family and, and friends were, were thinking at the time. But, uh, you know, just a, a true blessing and, and frankly, miracle that that they're walking around today. And the other individual in the other car that I mean, this is a head on collision. No injuries. Fifty six years old. It's a woman from Stillwater. No injuries. So um, just all around thankful that that situation didn't end up the way it could have. Yeah. And just. On a lighter note, I saw that Rodriguez was trying to uh, compete again pretty quickly, and Coach. Oh, Smith really? Him, yeah, I saw Coach Smith told him, "No, you're gonna you're gonna sit out for a little bit." Oh, that's but, the cowboy spirit right there. Yeah, but hopefully all goes well with AJ. He was having, and not that this obviously that everyone's safety is the main concern, but he was having a great season wrestling wise. So it would be awesome if he's able to get back and kind of do his thing, and and you know try to go back to back national championship, but just glad everybody's okay. Glad coach Dunn was there. It sounds like coach Dunn had helped from another unnamed man. That was a kind of an odd part of the story. I guess somebody kind of showed up to help him and then kind of left after that. So yeah, well, I I don't know. It's just, it's unbelievable. This was out near in between Cushing and Perkins. So just South of Stillwater. I mean, not, not that close to Stillwater. So just the fact that it's Casey Dunn out there, again, we've already said it. It's just, um, you know, it's happenstance, but it's a miracle too. Um, you know, just to, to kind of wrap it up, Dustin, one last thing that Ferrari's father said was, you know, thank you to the medics and police for their care. I'm so thankful to our great and powerful God, our praise to him. I sincerely thank everyone who prayed for AJ and reached out. Please continue to pray for both of them as their oxygen levels return back to normal. The removal of fluid on AJ's lung and the internal bleeding to stop. I think everybody would probably echo that. I know you would as well, Dustin. I don't hesitate putting that in your mouth. So, um, no, this was, um, you know, I think at least worth definitely opening up and, and talking about it. So any other, anything else you noticed in that story that you wanted to bring up or maybe we move on to basketball. I was just going to say, if, if you're not following Seth Duckworth on Twitter, at Seth underscore Duckworth, he, he and I wrote together at Pistols Firing. He still writes for them. He does a great job breaking down wrestling, but he's kind of, if you just kind of scroll through his timeline, you can get a lot of info on what happened. And just he's put up some a picture of the car from the scene, which is absolutely wild. So Seth's an awesome dude, and he uh, he's always great for wrestling info, as well as our buddy Lee at Dynasty Defined yeah, Podcast. So no doubt about it. Those guys have a lot of good info, that probably, and they know a lot more of the wrestling aspect of everything than Cade and I do. So that was kind of just a last little tidbit I wanted yeah, to Yeah, no, in. Seth is fantastic. Between Seth and Lee, I think you listen to those two guys, read what they write. Uh, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape when it comes to knowing what's going on with cowboy wrestling. But, you know, Dustin, moving moving on, um, obviously some interesting times in Stillwater in basketball. This is it, it felt like for a long time this season was a very predictable one. I don't think it is currently. I think I've thrown that narrative out the window since the last time we spoke between beating Baylor on the road. Um, winning against TCU, I told you last week, that is a game they typically lose. And sh- I mean, they, they 
probably should have nearly did and then go to Texas and go just wire to wire with them. You lose a heartbreaker, but I mean, what over the last week is your prevailing thought about this team right now? Cause I, I'm officially back to being intrigued by them. I'm very intrigued and the defense has been spectacular. I think the one thing that came out of both of these games. So Bryce Williams has a banged up ankle. He left with 16 minutes left in the second half in the TCU game, and he didn't play at Texas. Him not being 100%, I know he's had – he's it's been banged up for a while now, but you could tell it was really bothering him in the TCU game and obviously not playing in Texas. The offense struggles without him. We've talked about it. I think usage percentage-wise, we want Bryce Williams and Bryce Thompson to be one and two with Avery Anderson a close third and all those guys getting a lot of shots up, but – when you don't have Bryce, he can bail Bryce Williams. He can bail the offense out like we've seen Bryce Thompson do in these two games. And if it's got to be just Bryce Thompson, I think the offense struggles. One thing, though, Kate, I did notice from both these games, I actually liked what I was seeing in the half court. I liked the <laughs> it's sets weird. and I liked the ball movement. They just cannot get the ball to go in. <laughs> so as much as some things change, ball movement gets better. Sets sets switch up a little bit. Some things just stay the same, and that's the ball not going in. Yeah, they moved the ball really well, I thought, in the TCU game, and they only come up with eight assists. I believe their season average is around 13. They just couldn't get anything to fall. 32% from three, overall field goal percentage of 35%, and then 13 of 23 from the free throw line. That is so many points left on the board. Yeah, it it truly is. It's just, it's just tough when it, but you know, they turn TCU over 22 times. They only have 11 turnovers themselves. They get out rebounded, but TCU is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. And then they shut miles down to only eight points. And the way they were defending him, not even, not just on pick and roll situations with ball screens, but just the straight up defense on miles was so aggressive from all the guards and all of the Oklahoma state guards are do so they're so strong fighting around screens. It's really impressive to watch. But you go back, and so I had to watch this game on replay. I didn't get to watch it live. Oh, me either. You and I live the same yeah. life. And I'm watching the game, and it was gross. But you and I talked about how that game could end up being in the 40s <laughs> on the last podcast. So yep. I, was, it was, I wasn't shocked. And with the, the way the ball was moving in the half court, I actually was a little bit impressed overall. <laughs> even though I'm sure most people watching that game live were absolutely disgusting. So what was interesting about it, and this is Oklahoma State, I mean, matchups are so important, right? But what's interesting about TCU, they don't have a lot of length at the guard spot. And and they used to, and RJ Nimhard, um, there's another guy whose name escapes me. I apologize. There's 10 teams in this conference, and they all have new players every year. But Mike Miles, I mean, there was length that, that and Kevin Samuel is the name I was forgetting that posed issues for Oklahoma state in the past um, against TCU. Well, neither of those guys in Nimhard or Kevin Samuel are there anymore. And I think what you saw, I know Oklahoma state kind of snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. I still think they, they look like they matched up and should have won that game by more against the TCU team. Like the ball just doesn't go in the hoop. Frankly, I kind of feel that way about the Texas game, too. And I know we'll get to that one, but the athletes are on the floor for Oklahoma State. And when the ball falls through the net with the defense they play, 
they are an incredibly tough team to beat. I mean, if they score 60, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it right now. If they score 60, they, that game is going to be very close. And I don't care who it is. It can be against Baylor. It can be against Kansas and Fog Allen. If Oklahoma State scores 60 points, that's the marker for me to where I think they can win any game they're in. I completely agree. I think, I think that's a great point and a great marker at 60. <laughs> I, I think the big thing from the TCU game, Cade, negative that I saw the Cowboys weren't able to get out and do what they do best, get out and run. Only seven fast break points. And then off of those 22 turnovers, they only scored 12 points. To put that in perspective, OSU turned it over 11. OSU turned it over 11 times, and TCU scored 14 off of those turnovers. So they, they had half as many turnovers, and TCU was able to get more points off of them. That's just – that doesn't make any sense. Well – and the free throw shooting from Oklahoma State was absolutely atrocious, unlike anything yes. we've seen before. Um, and that really helped TCU kind of stretch the lead in that game. But one thing I wanted to point out, our boy Rondell. Dreads Great. are gone and everybody thought he was cursed. I, I say no. <laughs> 12 points? I say no to that. He took over. Big time shots down the stretch. And Big just time. on defense, he's an animal. He. He's, I don't know if they, I don't, I, I haven't been able to find this stat, but like a deflection rate stat, Oklahoma State hat would have to be at the top. I know they do it for the NBA, but I in college, Oklahoma State would have to be near the top because Rondell gets his fingers on like 90% of the passes that are near him. Well, and if not, he's, he's hawking you. If you do catch it, he's all over you, which will lead me into Iowa State at some point. Rondell, just key player in this game coming up tomorrow. But I, I agree with you completely. Rondell unlocks so much for this team and starts so much in transition. So when he's on the floor and he's wreaking havoc defensively, he just, he makes things easier on you because his man is not doing much. And usually like if it were up to me, he'd be the guy guarding the Micah miles and the Isaiah Brockingtons and, and that, that caliber of player in the league. And, and when he does, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's hard to beat. Yeah, I completely agree. He's, he's such a key to this team. And if he's able to just hit a couple three pointers, like he did this game at a, you know, you don't want him taking probably 10 a game, but if he's Dude, able to 30%, hit 30%, yeah, 30%, hit a, a couple of threes a game, that's just huge for this offense. And talking about three pointers, here's where we see the negative with Keelan Boone. I was going to say, I don't want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> he goes Zero points in 20 minutes, 0 of 7 from 3. And here's the problem, Cade, with Keelan. I love him. He's a huge part of this offense. But his efficiency rating, he was the only player on the team with a negative efficiency rating for the game. And that's because that formula is points plus rebounds plus steals plus blocks minus missed shots minus turnovers. He he doesn't give enough in those other areas but you got to have him out there because he's the only guy that's consistently made threes. But this is the second time I think he's attempted six or more threes and gone over because he did in the Houston game as well, I believe. Golly, that that's tough because he's, you know, then I think he shot eight against Texas and hit six. His six of eight, I think, is the stat line. Forgive me if that's a little bit off. But he, I mean, that's the streakiest of streaky shooters, right? I mean, if you can't, I would take – three out of eight I literally would I, I'm even willing to shoot under 40 percent at this point to 
hit some threes because they're almost always decent looks. Nobody really is, is a culprit of taking bad shots. Just got to start making some. And, and if yeah. you're Keelan Boone, if you're Avery Anderson, if you're Rondo Walker, like 30% to 35% from three, like that's going to help a little bit. Um, and obviously if they shoot up into the forties, like they did against Texas a couple weeks ago, then, then you're going to win games that you shouldn't. No. I agree. You got, you got to be able to just make a few more threes, but not to just bash on Keelan. I just wanted to point out, you know, we, we've been giving him a lot of praise, but when you see him go over like that, it kind of, it kind of shows you some of the the flaws in his game. He did have a nice, I think he had a steal late in the game. That was pretty big time, but he did. We, we did Cade get a little bit more from Mike Boynton after this game on Tyreek playing over Caleb Boone and Musa Cisse. What he said is we can switch more comfortably with, with him Tyreek because he's got pretty good feet he can switch on some guards and at least a couple or at least get a couple of dribbles to keep his feet in front of him he's just a good rebounder not that he's a better rebounder he's probably better than Caleb and just as good as Moose is so that was his quote about Tyreek just getting because you know you and I've been wondering why Caleb hasn't been getting minutes we've getting a we've gotten a little bit here and there from Boynton but that's a at least a little bit more X's and O's insight from him on maybe why Tyreek is getting more minutes. And I'm not saying Tyreek shouldn't be. I just know you and I are big proponents of Caleb. On and the I'm glad you brought floor. this up because I, I want to talk about it. I've, I've, I've got a little bit of an observation here. So Tyreek Smith, our boy, made a huge play late in that TCU game. That block he had on the other end of the floor to get the ball back to Oklahoma State to ultimately win the game. I mean, that, that's the game right there. If he doesn't make that play, Oklahoma State loses. I think that's a piece of it, just the effort. Because if you look at Caleb Boone, if you just watched, I I don't like doing this. I don't like harping on one guy. But if you just watched Caleb Boone for the 11 minutes he was on the floor against Texas, there are moments of extremely effective play to the point of like all Big 12 caliber. There was that block and alley-oop sequence that he had that was like jaw-dropping like oh boy Caleb Boone is a really good player which he is and then there are moments where he just makes a a head scratcher of a pass or gets the ball ripped out of his hands by a point guard that I think those are the plays that drive Mike Boynton absolutely bonkers you can see it on the sideline somebody's getting up to run in the game immediately usually Tyreek Smith uh, you know, Sutton's got his hands in his head. Like, I think those small plays have added up and, and they do because they happen. It's once a game, twice a game at this point. And again, I'm not hammering Caleb because I think Oklahoma state's a better team when he's in and effective, but when he's not effective, there is a level outwardly that appears to be disengaged. And I hate to say that because I'm not, I don't know that it just appears that way based on the plays that happen in front of you. It's like, okay, how do, how does Marcus Carr at six, two come in and rip the ball out of your hands as you're not looking, or how do you get the ball as you're, you know, clearing out space? How do you get the ball ripped out from behind you? It's just, it's little things like that, that if it were me would have frustrated me as a coach. And then you see Tyreek Smith come in and ultimately win you the game on the defensive floor. It's definitely just a point that I've noticed. I mean, Caleb is a high-energy player when he's high-energy, and when he's not, it's, it shows. And that's just, that's just kind of where I'm at. 
And the crazy thing is, though, when he's in the game, they do try to go to him in the post. I mean, he scored. We can move on to Texas. I was done on TCU, Kate, if you are. He scored six points, got five field goal attempts, like he said, in 11 minutes. And six and six in 11 minutes. Yeah, and and they're going to him. Like You can tell Boynton wants him to be part of the offense. But like you said, and Boynton brought it up in this presser, I believe, uh, talking about the Iowa State game, I saw a video that I think Pistols Firing put up of his little media presser before the game, talking about the bad foul on Carr in the Texas game. Just just little things like that that Caleb does, I like you said, just drive Coach Boynton mad. And it drives just, me nuts. Yes, it, this game this game drove me nuts. Speaking oh God! <laughs> I mean, the start they go down thirteen zero. I was ready to back on turn on the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I literally was. I was watching this with my dad, and we were over having some breakfast with family. And I, as it was thirteen nothing, I said, "Well, we just need another eight eight minute scoring drought from Texas, like they got against Kansas, and it happened." <laughs> How does how does that happen twice in a season and you lose both games? Absolutely wild. And and again, in this one, no Bryce Williams. Bryce Thompson goes, I believe, the fourth straight game scoring in double figures, and he had a career high of 20, which eclipsed his 19 against Baylor. Looks so good. You needed that from Bryce. 18 shots. I'm fine with it. Eight yeah. of 18. I'm honestly fine with it. If you don't have Bryce Williams in there. Somebody else has to take his shots. I would love for Avery to take some of them, but if he's not going to, then then Bryce can take them. Well, I was going to say take 25 at that rate. <laughs> like the way he was shooting and the way, you know, an Avery Anderson with three points and five attempts, I mean, that's that can't happen. I mean, if you're going to win a game like that, you have got to have something else. I will say I thought Musa Cisse – when he was in the game, he was in foul trouble. I thought he had one of the – like a game where it was just like, okay, when he's on the floor, things move a little better. They look a little bit better defensively. He's such a good screener. Man, and he's got soft hands. For seven feet tall, he's got really soft hands in the middle. And, I mean, he's he's a matchup problem if he can stay out of foul trouble, which he's gotten himself in a little bit lately. But you're, you're spot on back to Bryce and Avery. Like – Bryce should have taken 25 shots in that game. If, if that's the way that game was going to go. And I think late, I don't know if this happened. I hope it did. I hope Boynton said, Bryce, shoot it. Because nobody else going to help you. <laughs> and nobody yeah. did. And he that's didn't what it, it. That's what it looked like. Kate, his usage percentage was 33.1%. That's, that's Cade Cunningham level. Cade had some usage percentage a, a lot last year. But this season, I don't think we've had anybody get over 30 definitely not 33 so Bryce so. Thompson with 33.1 the next closest was Anderson with oh no no, no sorry likely at 20 and then Anderson with 12.6 percent so that's wild but basically what he did is he just absorbed Bryce Williams role and like we've already talked about I'm fine with it and then our guy Rondell six steals is that's... that a real stat well, is it? Because I hadn't seen – it felt like he was all over the place. But six steals in this game. Unbelievable. Career high. His previous career high I saw was four. Six is insane. I mean, he had five rebounds, six steals, and two points. I mean, with ten points, you're, you're flirting with a 10-5-5 five five game right there. You know what I mean? He, if yeah. he can figure out the offensive end. 
what I was looking at as I was kind of looking at this box score a little bit, I think, and I don't think this is the case often, but I think a glance at the box score tells the story. Here's the starting lineup for Oklahoma State, and here is their production points-wise. Five points, three points, zero points, five points, and 20 points. Okay, that's Oklahoma State's starting lineup. Here's Texas. 14 points, 10 points, 11 points, 12 points, and four points. One of those is balanced. The other is not. And Cade, Keelan Boone. Zero. Negative four efficiency rating in this game. He actually wasn't the only negative, though, this time. It's hard to get a negative efficiency rating if you play a good amount of minutes, is what I'm trying to get across, the way that formula works. <laughs> he, bro- he broke the formula, is what you're saying? <laughs> Moncrief actually was a negative in this game, too, but two games in a row with a negative efficiency rating is not great. He went over from three again, first start of the season, but... Man, you would have hoped for a little more. Yeah, you've, he's got to make at least at least two threes a game if he's going to play that many minutes, I think. I don't would, care what his percentage is. He has to make two. He he could shoot 12. He's got to get two in the basket. What's strange is his mechanics are very – like they're repetitive. He's, he has ironed out the kinks. I think we talked about this. The hitch in his jumper is gone, and it's smooth. Just some days it goes in and some days it doesn't, which – if you ever play basketball, I think I, you could probably understand that. But, you know, the, the really good players who separate themselves, like that doesn't usually happen. I mean, Bryce Thompson has flipped the switch. I mean, I, I'm at this point, I'm expecting 15 points a game out of him. And that's yeah. not – I don't think that's like aggressive. I just think based on the way he's playing, I think he's going to have a feature role in this offense moving forward. And when you get Bryce Williams healthy – I think Bryce Thompson is going to be the rising tide that lifts all the boats because if he, if you have a go-to guy, finally, you're going to win more games in this conference because a lot of these teams are really good. They don't have a go-to guy. I mean, Texas didn't have a go-to guy, right? They have talent all over the floor. Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, good, good players, transfer portal, all-star team. As I, as we put it, Oklahoma state with a Bryce Williams wins that game. 100 yeah. percent no doubt in my mind they are going to win games and you just need bryce williams to get back healthy because or and if you don't avery anderson keelan boone caleb boone, somebody has to help you know take off the pressure because if not i mean bryce thompson's gonna be i mean it's just gonna be him yeah kate and just speaking about offensive production in general we saw in this game kind of referring back to tcu so OSU forced two less turnovers. They had 20 compared to the 22 in the TCU game, but they were able to score 21 points off of those turnovers compared to the 11 from the TCU game. And then the fast break, they got out and scored 18. So if Oklahoma State is able to get out and run, that is a big part of their offense. And like you said, if Bryce Williams comes back, Bryce Thompson keeps playing like he's playing, and they're able to get out and run, they'll get to that 60-point marker you set. And I think they're going to be able to beat a lot of these teams coming up on the schedule. I, I think 60 points, 65, like if they reach 65, I think that's the difference between like a 10 and eight record in this conference and a six and I mean, what I mean, six and nine record, six and 10 record in this conference. My, my whole 
purpose for thinking about it this way as Oklahoma State obviously is going to need more than just Bryce Thompson going forward. But you look at tomorrow night against Iowa State. Like they, they've got – and they're, they are on a skid. Don't get me wrong. They are definitely coming back down to earth after their 12-0 start. But they've got three guys in Isaiah Brockington, Caleb Grill, and Tristan Anaruna who can get them 20 points, period, any night. That, that's who they are. They are a balanced scoring team. And that doesn't even include Gabe Kalsher, which if, if you remember that name, if that sounds familiar, that's the dude that dropped 30 on us when he played for Minnesota two years ago. So they have shooters. Oklahoma State appears to not have many shooters with Bryce Williams not on the floor. So if Oklahoma State's going to win this game tomorrow night against Iowa State, which actually ESPN-FPI projects them, as with a 70% chance to win, they are three point favorites in this game. And I'm like, I don't, where, where is that coming from? Because I, I think the talent level is similar. I think the athleticism is similar, but I mean, does Oklahoma State have that big of an advantage on the interior? Like, I just don't see it. I kind of agree with you. I, I think this is going to be a close one. I know Ken Palm as well has Oklahoma State winning by two. David is 62-60. So that they get to the 62 marker and win. But <laughs> Hey, how about that? Something that stood out to me just looking at some of the advanced stats, Oklahoma State and Iowa State, kind of similar to how we talked about with the TCU game, they're very similar in their offensive and defensive adjusted efficiencies. Iowa State is sixth in defensive adjust, adjusted efficiency. Oh, Oklahoma gosh. State is seventh. And then offensively, Oklahoma State's 198th and Iowa State is 135th. They're both not great three-point shooting teams. Iowa State's a little bit better than Oklahoma State. They're both not great free-throw shooting teams. And overall, just from the field, neither of them are amazing. Obviously, Oklahoma State, we know about their shooting struggles. And like you said, they, they're coming off a t- loss to Texas Tech and TCU. I think it's going to be a close one. I I think because Iowa State doesn't have a big-time presence inside, I think that helps Oklahoma State a lot. Like you said, Brockington, that dude's almost averaging a double-double. He's only like 6'4", right? I know. He's six four, like 200. He's a shooting guard, and he's yeah. getting eight rebounds a game. Here's something crazy for you. As you were reading off the adjusted defi- uh, adjusted defensive efficiencies, that's Towards a tough say, one. I stumbled on adjusted it, too. defensive efficiencies. But I'm a terrible reader. Has nine out of 10 in the top 30. Nine out of the 10 teams in that conference are in the top 30. That's stupid. in Ken Palm's efficiency rankings. Makes that for some boring games, Cade. Oh boy, they are boring. But they're also, <laughs> don't you love them? They have a lot of character to them. So I love watching Oklahoma State dominate on these. I do games. too. So as it relates to Iowa State, how do you see this game going? I'm Again, I'm skeptical. I could totally see it. I mean, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be screaming my head off on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. But from a perspective of – I mean, it, Ken Palm has it as a victory. Vegas has this as a victory. ESPN FBI has it as a victory. What do you have it as? I'm worried with no Bryce Williams because I think Iowa State is just going to throw everything they have at Bryce Thompson. And I'm worried – that Oklahoma state is not going to be able to make it up enough getting out and running. And I just haven't seen enough from anybody else on the offensive end. But that being said, there is no way Keelan Boone goes over again. 
I was thinking about Keelan as you said that. He's going to make some threes. I think Avery Anderson might have a decent game. I'm literally contradicting what I just said. (laughs) And if Oklahoma State can get to 60 to your number, I think they can win it, even without Bryce. Well, here's the problem that Iowa State has right now. And this is the one thing that I think Oklahoma State like is going to have to have happen. I listed off three names that can get them 20 and that have got them 20 at some point this season. They're not doing it in the same game, which is very strange to me. They're all in the backcourt. I don't know if it's a minutes issue. I don't know if it's a dynamics issue, the way the system works, but it's one guy getting 20 and the rest getting four. So if that holds up, the one game that they didn't that I'm looking at is that Baylor game where all three of them scored in double digits and they got very close to winning that game. Uh, it was against, I mean, Baylor hadn't lost at the time. So that to me, if, if Oklahoma state can limit all of them to under 20 points a piece, I mean, I'm literally like, they don't have anybody else outside of Inaruna and Isaiah Brockington. I mean, I just don't know if Oklahoma state has the offensive firepower to match that. If one guy for Iowa state goes and gets 20 and I'm, I'm pointing out all these markers for a reason. If Iowa State has a guy that goes against 20 and Oklahoma State doesn't, that's a loss. That is a loss for Oklahoma State. It doesn't matter because they're not going to score balanced enough to match that. Do you think we see more Caleb Boone in this game? Because Boyden has talked about Boyden has talked about his issues switching, and I know Iowa State has some good guards, but do you think they try to use him on the offensive end to kind of mitigate not having Bryce Williams and some of the poor shooting from his brother, well, Keelan Boone, lately. Do you think you, we see more Caleb? You know who's not there anymore? Solomon Young. Not there anymore. So who he gave a lot of teams issues. I We've said this for weeks, Dustin, that Caleb Boone presents matchup problems to a lot of Big 12 teams. A lot of them play a smaller style of ball to where their center is 6'9", 6'10". I mean, Caleb absolutely has an advantage over George Condit, 100%. So that's why when I was kind of talking to this uh, uh, with you about this, it's like, is the advantage so strong in the interior with Tyreek Smith, Musa Cisse? I mean, do you see them go, like, do they go Twin Towers? Do they go Musa Cisse, Caleb Boone, Musa Cisse, Tyreek Smith? Would they do something like that? It, it would be something Iowa State doesn't have on film. And when you're down one of your top usage and top scores, maybe you throw something like that out there and just try. I don't think they'd be ready for that. I don't think they'd be ready for that. I'm all for it. Well, we'll see. It's going to be a fun one. I think Stillwater is going to be a little bit popping tomorrow night. Now that we've said we're going to be there. I think that's the thing that helps the environment get up. That'll get the people going. Absolutely. Ladies going for sure. (laughs) And that's for sure. Both of our daughters, absolutely, um, <laughs> going nuts for their moms because uh, we're not there to help out. That's that's kind of what you were getting at, right? Exactly, um, exactly. Well, do, I mean, what's your prediction? Let's just put it out there. I'm going to go 64-61 Oklahoma State. Oh, see, you mentioning Keelan was kind of the one area I was like, okay, if, Ke- if Keelan is the guy, he, he's – he could be the difference. I'm I say he hits four threes. Four, oh, five. if he hits five if, threes. If he hits five threes, this is he's a gonna hit walk five off. threes. This he's is a walk-off go, win. Four, okay, no, no, no. He's gonna go four of seven from three. 
that efficiency, if he goes four of seven, that's a win for Oklahoma State. I, I don't see it. I could absolutely imagine that happening. That wouldn't shock me. Would love it. I don't see it happening. I am going to pick. I'm going to pick Iowa State sixty-eight, Oklahoma State sixty-one. And I think again, I gave my marker at sixty. They're going to be in close games. I didn't say sixty is the number that they're going to win at, but they're going to be in tight games. I just, I mean, if they can hold Brockington to under fifteen, it's a win for Oklahoma State. He just doesn't do that very often. So, yeah. I think it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to go. Thank you yeah. again for. Hey, don't mention it, man. That's your that's your payment for for December. So no, just kidding. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. Well, Dustin, after that basketball breakdown, which that was a fun basketball breakdown, I've been dying for that. Let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, believe it or not, we have so much more to talk about after that basketball breakdown. I mean, a long list of items to get to, so let's waste no time. I mean, and let's start here, Dustin. I mean, obviously, uh, the, there's no end right now in sight to this defensive coordinator search. I mean, we've we've probably narrowed the pool, and you and I probably have an idea of what's going to happen. But I mean, no movement from three weeks ago. Yeah. So. The reports came out that it was going to be Auburn defensive coordinator Derek Mason. He recently resigned from Auburn, so he's he's not with Auburn anymore. Uh, Brian Hodgson at Auburn has promoted his old defensive coordinator at Boise State, who was the linebackers coach at Auburn, up to the defensive coordinator spot. Uh, seems a little sketchy to me, that whole situation. I'd probably be out of there, too, if I was Mason because – I'm not really sure uh, that all would jive with me, but there's, you know, there's the picture of him at the airport with Gundy. You and I, I believe, and Cade, correct me if I'm speaking incorrectly here, but we still think it's going to be Mason. I think it's going to come out sometime soon. There could be some issues with Gundy. You know, he said, talking about waiting until the NFL coaching cycle dies down. Mason has, was in the NFL for a few years. Maybe Gundy thinks he could get snatched up by them. Could be some stuff going on with the finalizing the, his contract because he was making 1.5 at Auburn. But I think it's still going to be Mason. But, okay, do, do you feel differently? I, I do think it's Mason. Frankly, I, I hope it's Mason. I think there's a lot of great candidates on this list along with Joe Rossi, you know, kind of yeah. your boy, our boy at this point, one of the guys we've been looking at for a long time. Derek Mason um, – you know, everything we've kind of thought have hurt. It seems like 
he might be the guy. But as you mentioned, like the word resigned is interesting to me in this case. He resigned from the defensive coordinator position. If you're in your job, do you, I mean, and if again, your boss isn't listening, so we can talk about this, <laughs> but if you're looking for another job or you're not looking, do you, if you have one job on the hook, are you resigning or are you sticking around until that's done? The word resigned in there makes, makes me believe as you just alluded to, there is a, a potential interest from NFL teams or somebody else, because I just don't know how a division one defensive coordinator, unless the situation was that toxic, which we've heard a little bit of that. The situation wasn't great. It would it have been that bad to where you just say I'm done and I'll find something else. Or is that agent speak? And I, I don't know. It's just very weird to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think he for sure knows he's going to get a different job. I know, I know Miami is in the mix. I've seen some rumors about that. So we'll see. I, I kid, do you want me just to run through the guys that we've heard have either interviewed or have some kind of connection to Gundy recently that may be in the mix. If it's not Mason, you want to go ahead and run. I, I real do. Quick. I real quick before you do that, the one thing about Mason and we might've gotten to this, I just don't want to forget it. He's coming from Auburn. Oklahoma state is about to return three out of 11 starters, right? I don't know if that's how this would work for Oklahoma state, but it's how it works for a lot of other teams that bring coaches in. I mean, look at Tanner McAllister at Ohio state. I'm just saying you bring in a Derek Mason, are there guys from Auburn that potentially want to jump ship and join a team that needs probably starting line uh, capabilities? Anyway, I throw that out there. As I think hundred percent conversation point. No, I think hundred percent that happens. I think if Mason comes over, we I, at least one or two guys come with them from Auburn. I, I would imagine see that. Yeah. So let's start off with Derek Mason. We said just resigned from Auburn was making 1.5 there. Something he does that's interesting, Cade, at Auburn, um, obviously you know me, right when those rumors came out, I dove headfirst into the film. <laughs> so hopefully it's Mason so I didn't waste all that time and my wife and daughter forgive me for neglecting them and watching Auburn defense. But <laughs> uh, he ran up. So he's run a 3-4. He ran 3-4 at Stanford. He ran a 4-3 and a 3-4 at Vanderbilt. He was co-DC and DC at Stanford at Vanderbilt he was the head coach but also a couple of those years he actually assumed the play calling duties of the defense and was the head coach so he's a lot of play calling experience probably the most on any of these guys we're going to go through and at Auburn last year he did a lot of two four five with two stand-up outside linebackers you know who could play those two stand-up outside linebacker spots Trace mm. Ford, Colin Oliver, Brock <laughs> Martin, Tyron Irby that's your opportunity to get those guys on the field because he was in the same situation at Auburn. He had these really talented outside linebacker defensive end hybrids and he needed them on the field. So he went away from his three down line, not completely away. They still played some three down and I even saw some four, but he did a lot of two, four, five looks, which I really liked. And, and last note on him, 52 years old. So he's the oldest, I believe out of any of the guys we're going to cover. Oh, Interesting. Next, we got Joe Rossi. His contract, he's at Minnesota. Contract's currently 800K. He just got a raise. He is 42 years old. He's coached defensive line and linebackers in the past. Doesn't have a ton of defensive play calling experience, but really cool schemes. 
at Minnesota, a lot of, lot of cover three zone, a lot of cover four quarter stuff. They do some three, four, primarily with that outside linebacker defensive end hybrid on the, on the line of scrimmage, looking like a four man front. So he's big on bend, not break. That's kind of his motto at, at, at Minnesota. And his nickname is the guru. I don't know if that tells you anything, but he's it's my name, time apparently in game adjustments type of guy. So <laughs> that's, that's cool. Next is David Reeves. Kate, I'm not going to lie. He's probably, if, if they, if it's Reeves, I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed because I think he's a really good defensive coordinator, but I just think he's the least exciting. He's making 239 K at UAB. He's 50 years old. So a little bit younger than Mason He's a linebackers coach at UAB, so fill in the need for Knowles' spot. He's also coached defensive line in the past. He's done some – he bases out of a 3-4, but he's done some 2-4-5 stuff, which is interesting, like we talked about with Mason. He doesn't really have any big-time experience recruiting. Really, the only big school stop he was at was Alabama, and he was actually a 35-year-old GA at Alabama because he was coaching in the high school ranks for a long time. Um, I know our buddy M, camera one – asked us about Reeves and talk about him a little bit. I know he's high on him and I think Reeves is great. He's just not my favorite. Next, we got Mike Tressel at Cincinnati. He's currently making 500 K he's been at Michigan state at Cincinnati um, under fickle. He's 48 years old. I like his scheme as well. I think it would fit in well. He's only been an outright defensive coordinator. So not a co-defensive coordinator for three seasons. So not super experienced, but he's also a linebackers coach. We've got Doug Belk at Houston. He just got a raise to 1 million. Really, really like his scheme. But Cade, 33 years old. He's only been the outright DC for one year. Co-DC for two. Yeah, he's a safety and cornerbacks coach. He would be a big time swing. Hope you hit on it type guy at only 33. And then last we got Tony Gibson at NC State. He's making 835K. We've talked about him on the podcast. Formerly at West Virginia. He runs that 335 49 years old. So Cade, that was a lot of me talking. Who is your favorite? If it's not Mason out of that group, if it's not Mason for me, it's Rossi, but I, I would love Doug Belk. Um, again, a lot of these guys that I like come with a little bit of a price tag, but I think it's because Oklahoma state is to that point. So I would go in that order if it's not Mason. So I'll put Mason at one. I'll put Rossi at two and I'll put Doug Belk at three. Um, I think any of those Oklahoma state can get and would be in good hands with the, the thing about it is they need to, they need to make a decision and an announcement soon. I mean, if it gets into February and you and I are sitting here, still breaking down defensive coordinator positions. I don't think it will. If we get to that point, I'm going to get a little concerned. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if I had to bet, I would bet it happens before our next podcast next week, whether that be Tuesday or Wednesday. I think I think something happens before then. Do you agree? I, I do agree. And I would love that because if so, then they got their guy. That's the, that's the time frame would suggest they got their guy and they're they're happy. Um, yeah. Derek Mason, I think, is such like just for a second. That is such a good if that happens, that is such a good hire. It's better than I think what you and I were. I mean, at least me, I, I won't put you in. I wasn't expecting them to be able to go out and get a Derek Mason. Were you? I wasn't. And 
I think they'd be willing to pay him that 1.5. I, I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna have to just with the situation from Auburn and I, you know, him and Gundy have some ties in the past that the uh, national championship, the coaches broadcast. They, they do. They do. I think he, I think he maybe would, would take a slight cut just to come and be under Gundy work to be back at a head coach. Again, he's got a good defense here at Oklahoma state. He can kind of mold his scheme fits what Jim Knowles was doing. Apparently he met with the staff. The staff was really impressed about Mason's knowledge of Oklahoma state's defense. So that's really cool. And, and I agree with you. I really like Rossi. I like all these guys and, not a shot at David Reeves. I think David Reeves is awesome. I actually went and watched a little bit of UAB the other day. I just think he, he's probably the least exciting for me, but I like all of these guys. Like you said, all the, a lot of them are big names and I think it's awesome that Oklahoma state's going after them. I know we didn't want to spend a ton of time on one single guy because when the name is announced, you and I are going to do a full film breakdown again. I hope it's Mason. So I didn't waste all that time, but I, I think that's all I really have on it. Cade. We'll see. I think, I think it happens before next week though here's my final thought on Derek mason energy's not a problem the man is built for this job every day man we grind we grind don't question us don't question who we are what we do or how we play we're vanderbilt men coming on apron so what does that do for you i watched a coach's clinic the other day with him in it he was the speaker and he's that intense the whole time. It was an hour long, and he was that intense the whole time. He's very intense. I love it. I love yeah, it so much. It is a little bit of whiplash. That's my favorite quality. Oh, I know. Defensive coordinator, psycho. Yeah, well, <laughs> I knew you would love it because I know you. To me, like total whiplash from Jim Knowles. Soft-spoken. Uh, I think the line that everybody repeated was at, like his favorite go-to was, that ain't it, bro. That ain't it. Like, I don't think Derek Mason's go-to line is that ain't it. I think it's something more along the lines of, what are you doing? I think it's more fire, less, um, I don't know, um, finesse, so to speak. Anyway, I, I hope it's Derek Mason. I think it will be. But until we know that, uh, here we are on a podcast talking about it. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you again for your breakdown of these defensive coordinator positions and and – it is extremely helpful for me. I know it's helpful for our listeners. Um, another topic that we wanted to get to, obviously, before we enter our weekly transfer portal discussion, we have a list of early enrollees on campus right now, right? I, I know the Shetron twins are on there, but I, I get lost after that. Yeah, so originally when we put out our recruiting breakdown, Adam Walt was on the podcast with us. We had it at 11 early enrollees. So the Tulsa world, Eli Letterman put out – Eight guys, and that would be, yeah, the Shetrans, Tabry and Talon Shetran, Dylan McKinney, cornerback, Xavier Benson, the Juco linebacker, Tyron Weber, tackle from uh, Juco, Garrett Rangel, quarterback, and C.J. Brown from Bags, the running back. And also, we did not have this name originally, Ollie Gordon, the running back, who we've we talked about for a lot of the podcast with Adam, solid high school player. He is apparently enrolled, but not yet on campus. I did, though, see an article come out from Pokes Report saying that Gabe Brown and Landon Dean are also on campus. So I'm not 100% sure on those two guys because they weren't in the Tulsa World Report, but I think they may be as well. And then the two that, that we had that weren't, that I haven't seen on anybody's list, but they were, they were supposed to enroll early from what I was told, 
our wide receiver Mason Gilkey and then offensive lineman Calvin Harvey. So I don't think those guys are on campus yet. I'm not sure what happened there. I don't, I don't know if it was a scholarship thing, academic thing with getting out of high school, but the guys that are there, I really like Rangel coming in early, obviously with some news we're going to talk about in a little bit. Love CJ Brown getting in there. Love Ollie Gordon getting in there early. Obviously the Shetrans, Tabry's able to get in with Rob Glass and kind of bulk up a little bit to take over that Cowboy back big receiver spot. And then Tyron Weber to fill out that tack, the tackle on the offensive line. It's, it's important. We, we've talked about this. Those are the names that we identified as early contributors. And that was without, I mean, we, we probably thought about it from a lens of they might be able to come in early. Every single one of them is coming in early. That is a huge deal. Ollie Gordon with a spring and summer set of workouts, getting time with the film room, getting time with the playbook. That is huge. Same for Garrett Rangel, which again, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Same for the Shetron twins, same for the tackles. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, so these guys making their way to campus is, is fantastic and, and great news there. Yeah, it's awesome. And we'll have more on that. Oklahoma state will release their official roster soon for the spring up on the okay state website. And we'll be able to break it down a little bit more. We'll also get, I love, you know, getting the new players numbers. I know that's weird, but I like to see I, that. Hey, I love that too. I love yeah, the new so, player numbers. Or if anybody changes numbers. Cause but, we're total dorks. Yes, we are. <laughs> but we'll, we'll break that down more. Just kind of wanted to point that out. There, there should be like a confirmed list. I think coming out somewhere soon, we have those two kind of conflicting, but Glad those guys are in there. Really pumped to see Ollie Gordon. Hopefully he's able to get everything sorted out and be able to start practicing in the spring. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely hope so. Well, it, it leads right into another discussion, our, our sponsorless transfer portal discussion. <laughs> this is where I would hit the button and your jingle would play. I mean, if, if this was your segment. so Or I'd sing it. Or, or, I mean, you pay well enough. Dustin and I will absolutely sing your jingle. Um, but no, beyond, I mean, the transfer portal at this point is just siphoning Oklahoma state players, right? It's not good. Oh yeah. At the current moment. Yeah. There's a lot of guys in there. So there's three things that happened, Kate, since we talked about last week and we can break these down. I'm going to list them off really quick. You've got Shane Illingworth quarterback entering the portal. You've got Jonathan Shepard wide receiver entering the portal. And you've got Jarek Bernard converse cornerback entering the portal who is the most surprising for you out of those three? I'm going to go with oh, – that's such a tough question. I'm going to go with Jarek Bernard Converse, I think, I because I was expecting draft or return. I was not expecting transfer portal. Um, Shane was always a possibility, but one I didn't really think was going to happen. That's the best way I can put that. And Jonathan Shepard, you know, it's disappointing. Injuries. It's disappointing yeah, he, because when he came in, I remember talking to you about him. It was, this guy has all the tools and we never saw him. Yeah. He just was never able to crack the depth chart. He kept getting plagued with injuries. He's a, he was a solid player in high school. I just, he just wasn't able to ever do it. But Converse, another interesting thing about him is it sounds like he may be going to LSU. Oh dear. Just found that out today. Uh, one of the insiders, I believe it's Shay Dixon. I think he writes for 247 for LSU, said that he he would almost guarantee that Bernard Converse ends up at LSU. Man. 
you just you just broke my heart a little bit that was live live on air yeah i that's that's just wild to me he was gonna he was gonna be able to start at oklahoma state i know i know you've got Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black coming up behind you. You got guys like Dylan McKinney and Roland Early coming in, Clavion Beeman, Jordan Regan. But still, you had that starting spot lined up. I'm sure there's other stuff going on there. But, you know, Robert Allen from Pokes Report had just written about how he was almost positive Jar Bernard Converse was coming back and was he seemed shocked when he announced the transfer. So if RA is shocked, you know, he's actually able to talk to these guys that obviously we were shocked too. So I agree with you. I didn't think it was going to be transfer. And then with Shane, he just, he's so much different than Spencer, you know, Gunner Gundy can move the ball a little bit with his feet. Garrett Rangel is pretty mobile. And Shane is a great quarterback. We saw him do some great things both in high school and at Oklahoma state, but the way Oklahoma state's offense is set up, I I just don't, I'd much rather the quarterback to be able to have some type of ability to run the football. And we've seen how Spencer Sanders is just able to kill defenses with his legs. And they don't even Spencer Sanders is a dynamic runner. The quarterback yeah, has to be like he's that. He's on the other end. He's on the extreme. Right. But Shane can't can't do it at all. He can't really move at all. He's can't at all. He's actually less mobile, I think, than even like a Mason Rudolph from what we've seen. Hundred percent. So I just don't think that's going to work with how Oklahoma State is setting up with how Casey Dunn wants to run his offense. And and I could be completely wrong on that. I'm not shocked. I wish Shane all the best. He seemed like a great guy. I know the teammates seem to love him anytime we got some behind the scenes stuff. But I'm not I'm not really shocked at all by him or Shepard. Just a converse. I want I want to talk about that. I'm not shocked by Shane. They're I think Oklahoma State's gonna have somebody. And if they don't, they're gonna go find somebody. As it relates to Converse, Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad, you and I have talked about a lot lately at the end of the season about how well those guys played. Less from a, what Oklahoma State is losing and more from a standpoint of what they have coming in. How do you feel about the cornerback room right now? Obviously, they're going to have to go throw somebody in there with some experience. I do not expect them to roll out Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad as their starting cornerbacks. Do you? Yes, I, I do. Oh, interesting. I do, think, I do think it will be Black and Muhammad. Which, and I'm not saying that from a, like, I don't want that. They're, they're both great corners. I just don't know. They haven't played a ton. It just, it just yeah. would be interesting. I, I, think, I think they got enough snaps and some key moments like, that, that I was impressed enough with them. I, I think – they both bring different things to the table too, which is why you can play them together. I think Corey Black is extremely, extremely oh, yeah. physical, kind of like a Christian Holmes. I think Jabbar kind of fits more of that Jark Bernard Converse role. And then I like DeMarco Jones. I like Jordan Regan. I like I like Beeman. And then Adam Lunt, if he doesn't stop telling me about Dylan McKinney, I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I know. Have to mute him. I know. I know. So Dylan McKinney I think and these it yeah, would ahead. be great to your point if they could get an experienced corner to come in, like a Christian Holmes, somebody like that. Even if it's not somebody that starts next year, just to have them on the depth chart because I, I am a little worried. Outside of Jabbar and Corey, I'm I'm just a little bit worried about the depth. That's so. I guess that's more where I need to go with this. Jabbar and Corey are totally capable of being Big Twelve starting cornerbacks day one next year, but after that. 
Are you are you going to roll out that two? Are you going to roll out that two deep? Is probably a better question. I don't expect that. They're going to have to add somebody into that room because there's just not enough uh, Big Twelve snaps to me to roll out that two deep. I do think Corey Black, Jabbar Muhammad can do it. I would not mind adding a grad transfer who wants another shot. Um, I don't know if you'd be able to get a Christian Holmes, but you might be able to get something close. That that would be the yeah. ideal scenario. Even if it's somebody, obviously, now, since we're already into the semester, they'd probably have to come in in the summer. But I still think if you get, like you said, like a grad transfer guy, that would be solid to add them in there. So I completely agree with you on that. Well, and, yeah. And, Kate, honestly, and if you have another point, we can stay on it. But it's kind of a perfect segue into getting guys – we have our guy. You actually pointed this out to me before I saw it. Matt Collinsteiner, Georgetown tackle. He committed to Virginia. We talked about last week how he started taking some more big time offers after Oklahoma State offered him, and he has committed to Virginia. So that is tough because all of the original offensive linemen that Oklahoma State offered in the transfer portal have now committed elsewhere. Yeah, which is fun for us because now we got to keep combing the transfer portal for offensive <laughs> linemen and uh, report on them every week. So that's yeah, great. and speaking of that, I only had to list like thirty people, and finally <laughs> we got one right. <laughs> finally, we got one right. So if you listened to us last week, I called out Prince Pines. He actually was at Baylor with Matt Rule, and he played. I believe in all 14 games that season. I think you're he right. Transferred, he transferred to Sam Houston where he played for them. He's got two years of eligibility left. He's a, he played, so he played left guard at Sam Houston, but I believe in high school, he was recruited out as a tackle. He's 6'5", 327. The reason, the main reason I pointed him out is because he went to the same high school as my mom in Baton Rouge, Tara. So shout out to Tara High School. I remember this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But I was able to actually go watch a little bit more of him after I actually pointed him out. Sam Houston did a lot of 10 and 11P, do some gap end zone stuff. They used him as the polar. I saw him some power. He's a three-star guy. Like I said, he left Baylor after rule. I saw that he's probably going to start taking official visits a little bit later in the year because he's not going to leave Sam Houston until after the spring semester. His other big offers are Mississippi State and Colorado. Colorado just landed another offensive lineman. I think they could get Pines, and I think he could fit that swing guard role that we talked about. Oh, I mean, that interior offensive line position is is crucial. It's got to be number one, don't you think? I agree. Honestly, I think he could come in and start at left guard. Whew. Well, that would be fun. All name yeah. team as well. Prince Pines. Are you kidding me? He fits right it. in with uh sincere David or, I mean, at this point I've forgotten about him because they're not coming to Oklahoma state, but I mean, there were some, uh, there were some names <laughs> Dar- there. Darkwa. Yeah. Appia Darkwa. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but speaking of guys, I'm not, we're not going to go through them again. I know that's super boring and not fun for everybody when I go through the same names every time, but Kate, I do have a couple of new names for you. Let's hear it. So defensive line wise, I'm done with the defensive line. <laughs> I, I, I can't find any new interior guys that I like. And it seems like Oklahoma state's trying to get a running back and some offensive linemen right now. And maybe a cornerback, like we talked about, hopefully if they get Mason, they can bring some Auburn off defensive linemen over 
Oh, or maybe that's the sneaky conspiracy theory. I like that. Yes. And a lot of the Auburn dudes have already transferred, which we've talked about on here, and they've already committed somewhere else. So I don't have any defensive linemen for you this week. I'm sorry. I failed, but I'll try to find some more guys. But in the running back room, Traylon Smith, 5'9", 190 pounds from Arkansas. He transferred to Arkansas from Arizona State. He sat out 2019. Then he led the team in rushing with 710 yards and five touchdowns in 2020, along with 159 receiving yards. In 2021, he started out as the starting running back, but kind of lost that role to Dominique Johnson and Raheem Sanders. But he still ended up with 598 rushing yards. I think he would be the perfect guy to come into Oklahoma State, fit in with Dom and Jaden Nixon. And obviously, if Ollie Gordon and CJ are in the mix as well. But I think he would be fine with having a split carry role because he's done that in the past at Arkansas and still be able to be productive and bring that kind of veteran presence. I really like him. It would be awesome if Oklahoma state would shoot him an offer. I haven't seen anything on it, but he's a guy I really liked. He's a little small, like I said, but so is Jalen Warren. Right. And I think, I think I'm to the point where I could live with Oklahoma state's running back room, but he'd be a, fantastic addition no doubt about it um especially with some experience so you would definitely be fine with that and i know i said i wasn't going to recap anybody but i love the two running backs that are still left uh (laughs) jared jared broussard from colorado i I saw he's visiting oregon soon and then dylan mcduffie from buffalo offer this guy dustin keeps texting me pictures of dylan mcduffie and i'm (laughs) like this guy a little weird at this point (laughs) six foot 210 pounds Hundred or a thousand yards rushing last season, eleven touchdowns from Buffalo. Got to offer this guy. So it's weird that guys like that just exist in the portal and don't find a place like that. I'm I'm sure he's like going to commit somewhere tomorrow. But (laughs) uh, in the offensive line room, Tyler Steen and Brian Green both still in there. The Vanderbilt left tackle and the Washington State center, along with Logan Sagapulu, the center from Oregon. But some new names in there. We've got. I don't know if I can say it, but it's Chris Akporagene, Tennessee guard. He can play tackle. He's already getting pounded with offers. So I don't know if Oklahoma State will have a shot. Uh, It's from IMG Academy in Florida. He didn't play very much at Tennessee, but he was a a big-time recruit. And obviously, people see the potential there because he just entered the portal and he's already getting a ton of offers You've got uh, Chance Little from Colorado. He played five years there. He's a six foot seven, 340 pounder. Played tackle and guard in his time at Bowler, Boulder. Uh, only 88 snaps during the 2021 season, but I think he's another guy you could just take a flyer on to fill in that room. And then the guy I really like, Raekwon O'Neal, 6'4, 305 pounds, two years remaining from Rutgers. He has played a lot there. He's been solid for them, and he played left tackle, which we could we could use some more tackles. I really like Raekwon. I think he just entered recently as well. He was a uh, All Big Ten honorable mention from PFF, and he also I think was honorable mention in the Big Ten media vote in 2020. So solid player there. Those are my new names for you. Anybody anybody you really like out of those guys, Ted? I like. Saquon you said Saquon or Raekwon Raekwon okay I was getting confused because I knew anyway Raekwon O'Neal the names are tough the transfer portal names are wild 
I'm sitting here to like slow down professor. I got it, but I don't got it. Um, I'm going to need you to walk back over that equation with me after class, but no, I, I think any of those guys at this point, if they, if they have experience, if they have size and they've played at a power five to low mid major level. Yeah. Yeah. Take a flyer on them for sure. So I, I, I love the names you, you provided for sure. So, yeah, he's my favorite as well out of everybody I said. I'd love for them to still get a running back, but I think I'm with you. I, with Ollie Gordon and C.J. Brown enrolling early. How bad do you need it? Yeah. You'd like maybe, – maybe just to have a more experienced guy in there. But, again, if he's not going to get any snaps, he's not going to want to come. So, we'll see there. But I, I really like Raekwon, uh, O'Neal, and I think, they, I think they're going to land Prince Pines. I, uh, I my Prince mom Pines. Shout out to him from Tara. Tara hey, alums there. Let's uh first game of the year next year when Prince Pines is starting left guard. You and me rocking the shirt in Boone Pickens Stadium next year. I believe they're the I think they're the Terra Trojan. Yeah, yeah. And they they rock uh USC. Their jerseys look like USC. Well, at, at risk of pissing off half of our listener base and you, uh, I just as you were talking, was scrolling through transfer portal news. Have you heard the Caleb Williams to Wisconsin buzz? Sir, I did see that earlier. That's interesting. And I don't want to break down at all. I just was sitting here like, whoa, hadn't heard or ever thought of that. Yes, Um, that is wild. Yeah, it's all wild. And it really leads me to a point of the transfer portal is it might be the best thing for podcasts and the worst thing for college football. It's great for the kids. That's what really matters. But man, it's it's tough to manage. I I, I want to be into it. I wouldn't want to be anybody related to managing kids out of the portal. I wouldn't want to. I, I mean, you got my you got my wife scrolling through TikTok, and you've got me scrolling through the transfer portal, Kate. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just another Tuesday night. I get yeah, it. I, I mean, that's. But I you're. Feel like I thought a you were on. At this point, your TikTok algorithm has to be transfer portal news like oh yeah yeah, yeah so you better not hop, bashing tiktok i do i'm just saying TikTok. hop on there i guarantee you they are feeding you <laughs> the hottest transfer portal news not the hottest because that's, that's what actually we, cool that's what we do but it's like the next level hot like right under the blaze and hot that's what it is all right this podcast i feel like it's gone off the rails a little bit but we've got a few other things to kind of clean up before we get to listener questions dustin i mean We've got some softball, baseball polls you had told me a little bit about. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, so so new polls are coming out, so we the preseason polls. So I thought we'd just update you guys since we've been doing it. Two new polls for softball. we got Softball America. They have OSU at number two behind OU. So that's Ooh. the highest I've seen so far. And then USA Softball has OSU at number four. So we've seen two, three, and four for OSU Softball so far pretty impressive that's and nuts for, for baseball baseball america came out and slapped oklahoma state in the face a little bit after two number seven preseason rankings they have them at 19 i don't know what that's about maybe the baseball america guys just kind of throw something up on the wall i don't know well 19 versus two poles that had them at seven isn't that right yeah yeah that feels these disrespectful guys yeah well, we, we're going to have somebody on here in the next couple of weeks to kind of break down the Oklahoma State baseball roster and how they stack up. I know they're better than 19. That's 
that is disrespectful. That's like, yeah. that's the type of respect Oklahoma State football usually gets out of the AP poll, no doubt. Honestly, that ruined my day earlier. But <laughs> well, just ruined mine as you told me. So, um, Cade, before I, I know we had like one or two more miscellaneous, but I yeah. did just want to mention real quick. And sorry if this was one of them, I couldn't remember. I think I might have missed this earlier. Oklahoma State had their first junior day this past weekend. Oh, that's right. We talked about Trey Wilson, the the edge guy from Centennial from Lakeview Centennial, as a big name there. We won't go through all the names. You can find them. I, 247 uh, Pokes Report, they've got all that out there. But they actually got a commit out of it. Uh, offensive lineman, which I know is a hot topic right now, Jacoby Sanders from Stillwater. Yeah. Oklahoma State was kind of his first offer, and he and he committed pretty shortly after that. They offered him in December, and he, he just committed. There were other schools interested. I know Kansas was in the mix. Some other Big 12 schools, I think, had reached out. But from Stillwater, Oklahoma State had offered. I think it was pretty much locked up. But it is cool. I think he's a solid player. I know he played, I believe he plays in the interior and at center. So that's great to kind of get some young centers in there, some guys that can kind of move around the interior of the line. But one real, and he's a three-star guy on 247. One cool thing about him, though, is his grandpa on his mom's side, Robert Sanders, played at OSU in the Terry Miller days. I believe he played fullback. That's sick. Pretty interesting. in the blood. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there, not only because it was a commitment, because that cool tie into the old playing days and a guy we recently talked about Terry Miller with the college football hall. I, I love the Stillwater high school funnel that's going on the pipeline, if you will, Because they're good. They are good. And there's good talent. That's why I, I kind of got sideways looks when I mentioned Gabe Brown in our uh, depth chart preview this year, I, they're a good football program in the state of Oklahoma and you're getting the best of that program to come in and make an impact. I, I like Jacoby Sanders. I like Gabe Brown. I like all these guys. I think they all could contribute at some point. So yeah, we'll just see. Body agree. by glass, you trust in it. <laughs> no, sorry. I didn't mean to take it again off the rails there, but I just want to make that little note. It's fantastic. Um, do we have anything else? It sounds like a couple of guys are uh, in a uh, collegiate bowl, Sills, Colby Harville Peel. Uh, some others participating in this game. Yeah, Malcolm, Colby Harvell Peel, and Josh Sills are going to be in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl on January 29th. I believe it's televised. You and I didn't get a chance to look that up before the game, but I'm assuming it is. And with three Oklahoma State guys in it, I, I know I, I'm I'll watch sure NFL that day, but I, I'm going to have it on one screen. <laughs> you, me, and Fuller are going to have a watch party. Oh no, that's actually Saturday. So yeah, I'm oh yeah, I'm watching it. Absolutely, watching no doubt about yeah. it. Well, it'll be good to see those guys. I still one of the top storylines to me this this off season is where does Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby Harvell, Peel, Josh Sills, Devin, where do those guys fit in the draft order? We're gonna have to do a. We're gonna have to do that for the podcast right before the draft. We're I think so. Do one. I know we already did it and went into some pretty intense detail but we'll hit it again as a refresher of what and make some predictions yeah i i love it i think we have to it'll be awesome well dustin great show let's get this thing wrapped up obviously with uh our favorite segment listener questions and i want to thank the two people that sent in questions this week one is my little brother so shout out to cameron webb for doing that the other one is philip slavin the owner of the 1012 network co-founder who uh, we are obviously a member of. So what that tells me, it's great to have two questions. Come on, like listeners, we got to have a little more 
participation in that arena. What do we need to do? Throw out Amazon gift cards. Do we like plug your, I don't know. I don't know what we need to Maybe do. Maybe we can talk fuller into giving out some of the feels like 45 shirts. I think we should think we could certainly do that. I think we'll kick that around this off season, but before we do that, let's go ahead and get right into listener questions. And we'll start with this one. Hey guys, Cameron Webb here. Uh, is there cause for concern for Mike Boynton's ability to develop talent? Cause this year, you know, we've seen Rondo Walker, Avery Anderson, uh, and Caleb Boone not quite look uh, like we expected to and not take really any steps at all from what we saw last year. Um, it's something that's jumped out to me. I just kind of wanted to get you guys' take on it. Go Pokes. Thanks, Cam. It's rare that you and I haven't talked to, about something over uh, text during a basketball game, but it's a, it's a good question in my it mind. It is a good question. I don't know if I'm there yet, um, but it kind of points something out to me that maybe I haven't thought much about, right? Like, I, how, who is the player that's advanced the most? under did, under this coaching staff maybe this is a dumb take but did Cade Cunningham stunt some of their growth no it's not a dumb take at all and you're going you're gonna get me on a soapbox here and I gotta like control <laughs> no no it is not a dumb take and uh, frankly it probably did I mean it probably did rob Screw them. you Cade yeah <laughs> I'm the idiot but what it did is it put them next to a freaking number one draft pick. So it's, you know, does it, is it a negative thing? No. Does it impact you this year? Probably. Does it impact an Avery Anderson? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a great question by Cam, but I think I'm where you're at. I, I don't think I'm there yet, but it is concerning. It's a, it's definitely something to kick around. Um, you know, again, I'm not there yet. I don't see like I for every, you know, Cameron, you 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 mentioned Avery and Rondell. For every one of those guys, I'll throw a Keelan Boone at you, who has definitely progressed at, at, in this program. So um, I think I think that's just college basketball, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. So um, definitely something we'll talk about as we move on. All right, thanks, Cam, for the question, Philip. Coming to you. Hey guys, Philip Slavin here, host of the 1012 podcast, and of course, avid listener of your show, which is also part of the 1012 network. Uh, quick question for you. With Shane Ellingworth heading into the portal, do you think Oklahoma State will look to add some experience in their quarterback room to help back up Spencer Sanders? And if they do, uh, who would be the guys you would go after? Thank you. Appreciate it, Philip. Appreciate all you do. Uh, for the podcast, for the network. A lot of it goes unseen, but uh, I do appreciate it. As to your question, um, I think we talked a little bit about this, and Dustin, I'll turn it over to you quickly, but um, I don't think they'll take anybody else. If they do, I don't think it's going to be anybody that, you know, jumps out at you. I mean, we already kind of went through the names. Dustin did a fantastic job of that. So you think I'm off base there, Dustin? No. And thanks again, Phil, for the question. Really appreciate it. And I think it's a great question. I don't think you're off base. I I think what may happen though, is I think we see another Ethan Bullock type, which I believe from the podcast with Fuller, I believe Bullock can come back and I don't think he's officially said anything, but it sounds like he's not coming back. 
from everything I've seen. I may be wrong. Interesting. I was trying to find my notes, but I think he could, but he's not going to. If he were to come back, then then hundred percent no. But what? Just back to my point. I think they're going to go try to get another guy like that, like a guy who maybe even doesn't take a scholarship, like a preferred walk on somebody that's out of college, not getting playing time and wants to come back home close to Oklahoma or close to Texas. And Philip, I tried my best to go through, I was telling Cade to go through the transfer portal, but there, there are so many quarterbacks in there that are grad transferring that only have one year, even with two, because Sanders could technically come back for two. And I couldn't find many people that I didn't think were transferring to try to get more playing time right away. I landed on two names and they're so random. I mean, somebody else may be able to find some better ones, but Will Bowers, he was a South Lake Carroll guy. He's been at Liberty since 2019. He recently entered the portal, 6'1", 200-pound dual threat guy. The only reason I threw him in here is because he attended an OSU camp in 2018. He's from the South Lake area, so Oklahoma State would be a lot closer to home. But he's one name, I thought. But he would be a guy who literally would just be coming here to be right. a backup at a bigger right. school. And then Taysen Famicon. I think it's how you say it from Clemson. He got in for DJ a little bit last year at Clemson. He's a 6'3", 220 pound dual threat guy. He was a three-star coming out of high school. So not a huge recruit for being at a school like Clemson. He would be one though, that I would think would come sit for one year and then try to fight for the spot the next year. Hoping Sanders would either go to the NFL or do a grad transfer year somewhere else. But other than that, I couldn't really find anybody in it. And it, if it is somebody, I think it's going to be a Juco guy or someone from a really small college, like I said, like an Ethan Bullock that just kind of pops out of nowhere. Or yeah. even even kind of like a Drew Brown. No, I think it's a good breakdown. Again, I think that I think whoever they go get is going to be a surprising – Drew Brown is actually a fantastic like comparison. I know you kind of just threw that out there. That's a really good comparison to who I think they would be able to go get out of the portal. And – just to, I know we didn't have any more voice questions, just to stay on this topic. Am I shouted him out earlier because he asked about Reeves uh, at underscore camera one underscore. He, he said, how big is it to get Garrett Rangel on campus for the spring with the Illingworth news? Oh, it's huge. It kind of ties into Phillip's question. Seems like we need as much depth that we can get. Caden, I already talked about it. Like you just said, it's It's huge. huge. You need him in there. So that's, if he wasn't enrolling early, I would, I wouldn't be worried because I think I think you got Peyton Thompson, you got Gunnar Gundy, and Spencer was able to go all last season without really getting banged up, even though you know he's had some injuries issues in the past. I wouldn't be just you know, you know, house on fire, but the fact that Rangel isn't rolling early could come in and play if he really really needed to. He'll have some of the offense under his belt from the spring. I think is huge. I I couldn't agree more with you. I think you're spot on. <laughs> Uh, okay, we got a few more. We got GoPoke77 at OK State underscore fan12. He said, am I the only one that's feeling very concerned we haven't hired a defensive coordinator yet? Huh. Kid, you, you alluded to it earlier. <laughs> I, I think I think if it bleeds out a little bit longer, we are you and I are going to be concerned. But I'm not oh. right at this moment, and I think it's going to happen before next week. What do you I, think? I think that's the second week in a row a listener question has caught me off guard. And it's not the question that's funny. It's the conversation before the question that's funny. because. We we literally tackled it. So thank you for the question. It's it's yeah, it's a little bit concerning, but I'm not there to be like all the way concerned yet. If we get to next week, yes, definitely. I completely agree. 
Okay, we got two more. We got Clay Cooper at Clay Cooper 81. He says, when will we get some transfers? It's been all outgoing and nothing coming in. Again, we talked about this one earlier, Cade. I think now you may see some announcements soon, like you could see Prince Pine committing soon. But these guys aren't going to get here probably now until the summer. I think all the guys that were going to enroll in the spring have probably already enrolled. I could be wrong. Maybe somebody enrolls this week. But if it goes past this week, I think you're looking at guys coming in in the summer, fall. I don't see how so, you would be able to add people that late. I Just no. the way school works. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's you been can. a while, but I don't. But don't fret. Don't it's going to be out. fine. I think we're going to be okay. I think you'll see some names that you like. I think the defensive coordinator news is going to be solid. Things are looking up. Yeah. Even though I'm excited to see. Uh, see what happens because again if if it's Derek Mason if it's Joe Rossi guys are coming with those guys is is the way I feel about that caliber of hire you, I, you talk about a Doug Belk moving from Houston to Oklahoma State do you think he can't convince some guys from Houston to come to Oklahoma State I could see it point is as you just said don't fret it's all going to be all right so yeah. I'm no. I'm pumped to see how it shakes out I I think we're going to have something by next week I really do yeah, you put that so. perfectly. And the last one from our guy, Brian Metcalf, at Brian J. Metcalf. Thanks. And thanks again, everybody, for your questions. But thank you, Brian, as always. You, you all, I think you ask one every week, and they're always very interesting. Rank, in your opinion, the hardest part of Gundy's job. So he gives some examples. Recruitment, portal, game planning, game management, staff, off-field issues, other, and why? Well, the one that jumps out to me – um, and I kind of already mentioned it is it's gotta be the portal. I think it's so uncontrollable as a head coach that it would be like, I don't know, you know, if, if, if you're in management and you try to identify all the areas of risk that could potentially throw off your strategy for the year, could throw off your, your plans for the next three months, the portal is a probably the biggest one and that doesn't make it a bad thing it just makes it a huge unknown and dustin i don't know if we've talked about this before on the podcast but like between nil and the portal both having really zero guardrails they're both good things period like i do believe that but with no guardrails it makes it almost impossible as a head coach as a coordinator to know what your roster looks like. I mean, you, you're going to get to August and there's going to be guys that just got on campus and just came like, so that has to be stressful. And that's the reason I picked the portal um, because of just the sheer unknown of it. It would definitely, you know, being in management, it would be the thing that sticks out, you know, in my side all the time. No, I, th I think that's a great call. And I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I, the only other one that kind of stuck out to me is, is staff management as well, which is almost kind of similar to the portal with yeah, it is. guys leaving 100%. every year. But the fact that Gundy's able to keep guys like Dan Hammerschmidt, Joe Bob Clements, Tim Duffy for seven, eight, nine years and keep that continuity, which he always talks about. I don't know how he does it, especially at a school like, like Oklahoma State, which if you do really well here, you know, the Ohio State, schools like that will come calling for you, the NFL. It's it's pretty amazing how he's able to do that. I I probably wouldn't say recruiting from Gundy's standpoint, but if I was a college coach, 
like a position coach or something, I would probably recruiting would probably be oh, the one I would say. Wouldn't it be the, the worst thing ever? It would just be so difficult. I, you're just pitching to all these kids, just your, your elevator pitch about the school. Some of them probably don't give you the time of day. And just to manage all that, it would just be insane, but not really from Gundy's perspective, but yes, I think portal and then staff manage it, especially the way Gundy does it is just impressive. Well, I mean, you make such a good point about recruit. I'm in staffing. I am in that world every day, but I'm not giving elevator pitches every day. I'm in marketing. Um, so I don't understand the, it's a totally different brain type where you can take rejection after rejection after rejection. It's just sales. And at, at, I'm not good at it. That's why I'm in marketing. I like sales. I'm just not good at it. So I go to the yeah. other side of it where I can be more analytical. So that's why I think the portal would stick in my side. And Brian, such a good question, man. I think that's why it would stick in my side. As somebody who's trying to steer a ship of multiple people with multiple different things going on, it's really the largest variable to me. And Dustin, you made a great point about how coaching staff changes. It's the same thing. It's the exact yeah. same thing. No. Well, that was it, Kate. Questions-wise, again, guys, really appreciate it. I think we had like four or five on Twitter, the two audio questions. It's awesome. You guys have I love it. given us, I think, at least three or four questions every week. We really appreciate it. Makes our conversations easier. and makes the podcast, I think, always ends on a good note with these questions. So it's not that it. you and I need any help talking about anything, but, yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. No. Dustin, I mean, great show to the listeners, to the to people that send in questions. I seriously appreciate it. It is a fun, fun element of this show that I look forward to every week. So thank you for doing that. Dustin, any final thoughts before we move on? No, I'm good. To All go. right. Well, brother, I will see you tomorrow in Stillwater. That's going to be a fun one. I, yeah, I, I still don't see it, but maybe by the time I wake up tomorrow morning, I will. Um, it's going to be a good one. If you see us at Joe's, if you see us at GIA, Say what's up. We probably won't be wearing feels like 45 shirts, but uh, we'll be we'll be up there somewhere. So I will see you tomorrow, my friend. And uh, in the meantime, be sure to keep it locked at feels like 45 pod on Twitter. Follow Dustin at Dust and you can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. And we will talk to you next week. Go Pokes and beat Iowa State.